You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. will always try to keep you down because you can never have enough self. You can never be good enough when it comes to yourself. Self is never satisfied. Self always wants more. You can always do better. You can always have this. You can always have that. Self always wants you to grab for everything and it beats you down. We have Christ. We have Christ living within us through the Holy Spirit. And we who are Christians should now walk in tune with the Holy Spirit Have you ever heard someone say, I just need to work on myself for a while? Our culture is obsessed with self-love, and the love of self can be an enticing trap. In his message, Pastor Dave will remind you that as a Christian, you should be different. You need to be focused on Jesus and filled with His Spirit. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 6 as he begins his message, Walking with the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in Acts 6 today. We're going to be in verses 8 through 15. So if you will turn there, please. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Sicilia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Back in 1977, there was a movie. And the movie began with this guy walking down the streets of Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. And he was carrying a can of paint. And as he moved, he moved to the beat of the music, which was playing very loud. He was swinging this paint can back and forth to his movements. He didn't seem to have a care in the world. His head was held high, and he smiled at everybody, and he looked and he walked down the street. He had a purpose to his walk. He showed great confidence in his appearance. His shoes were brightly shined and and shone like the sun. His red shirt was open down to his belly button, and there were chains hanging around his neck. And his leather jacket was also open as he walked to this music that was beating. He continued to move in one direction and one sole purpose, only to stop briefly to harass this beautiful young woman who happened to be walking down the street, and then he quickly moved forward. Now, you probably don't know the movie, but it was Saturday Night Fever, and it was John Travolta, and his name was Tony Monaro. Now, when Tony walked, he walked with a purpose. He walked with style, and he's if he was walking like everybody wanted to see him. And he wanted everybody to see him and notice him. And everybody was going to wonder, 
What's he doing? Where's, where's he going? You know what? Maybe I could go with him. Yeah, I want to be like him. And people looked at him. And remember, this music was playing in his head because he didn't have a Walkman. This was long, long before iPhones, iPads, and I whatever. Long before that. But he walked, and he had a purpose with his walk. You remember, probably some of you are listening to the music right now in your own head. The music was called Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Yeah, we remember it. But the way he walked seemed to cause him great pleasure. I mean, tremendous pleasure. And it was a way he had of releasing all this energy that was pent up inside him and stress and tension. In fact, just yesterday, after this was already written and studied, a movie was on, and it was the sequel to Saturday Night Live. It was called Staying Alive, and it came out in 1983. And we again find our hero, Tony Manero, but now he is an accomplished actor and dancer, and he's trying out for a Broadway musical, and he gets the part. And at the end of it, he finishes this play, and the crowds jump up, and they're all cheering, and he gets a standing ovation, he gets rave reviews, and he's got up all this passion, and he's got up all this energy, and he's walking around, and people are trying to talk to him, and he's looked like he doesn't know what to do. And finally, he's making his way to the door, and somebody says, where are you going, where are you going? He turns and says, I got a strut. He hits the doors, and the music starts again, and boy, there he goes. Now you're probably sitting there scratching your head, why are you telling us this? Well, see, Tony was walking in the tune of his music. He always was thinking about his dance moves and how they were reflected in the way he moved. See, he loved to dance. Dancing and music controlled his life. He had a confidence in his ability to dance. He had a confidence in his good looks, in his abilities. Problem is that this confidence waned. And in the end of the movie, we find him beaten down. We find him beaten down physically and emotionally. You know, the love of self usually does this to you. Self will always beat you down. Self will always try to keep you down because you can never have enough self. You can never be good enough when it comes to yourself. Self is never satisfied. Self always wants more. You can always do better. You can always have this. You can always have that. Self always wants you to grab for everything, and it beats you down. But we have Christ. We have Christ living within us through the Holy Spirit. And we who are Christians should now walk in tune with the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's the title of today's message, walking in tune with the Holy Spirit. We should be walking one by one with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is leading us. The Holy Spirit is guiding us. He leads us. We should be relying upon the Holy Spirit to lead us in all truth, Scripture says. To conform us into the image of our Savior, Scripture says. To be with us. To be in us and to come upon us with the dunamis power so that we can accomplish anything at all that God would want to do in our lives. But we need the Holy Spirit. We need this great confidence that comes in trusting and relying in God and not in self. We rely on the Lord's strength. We don't rely on our own strength. The Apostle Paul said it best, I have no confidence in the flesh, for in my flesh dwells no good thing. That's what the Apostle Paul said. This confidence that we have should allow us to walk distinctly. Kind of like Tony. Our head should be in the air. Our head should be high. We should be walking with confidence. Not because our own confidence, because the Lord is walking with us. And we should be able to lift our head high and shout that we're Christians. Too many times. Too many times I find in Christian fellowship, we walk around like Eeyore. You know Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? No, 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 no. Can't look anybody in the eye. Oh, man, don't let them find out that I'm a Christian. Oh, no, no, no. 
We're shrinking back and we're kind of hiding. We're afraid. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of fear. That's the spirit of fear. Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, he says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's what we have. And I'm to wake up to that. And I'm to walk freely in that. Knowing that my God wants me to live that way. Knowing that that is the way God has told me to live through his spirit. See, the truth is that the indwelling presence and empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer is the actual basis for the Christian life. There is no other basis for Christian life other than the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and his indwelling presence. Listen to what Charles Spurgeon said about this. I quote, As breath is the very life of the physical man, so the Spirit of God is the life of the spiritual man. By him, he's talking about the Spirit, we were reborn at first. By him, our spirit life is sustained. And by him, in the inner life, nurtured, increased, and perfected. In our verses that we're studying today, we meet a perfect model of someone walking in tune with the Holy Spirit. His name is Stephen. You've probably heard the story many times, but it's a beautiful story, and we can glean a lot from this story about how we as Christians are supposed to walk and what have we been called to do. In the first seven verses of the book of Acts in chapter 6, we read a couple weeks ago where the apostles appointed seven men from among the brethren, and they had certain qualifications. You remember the qualifications, good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. You can find this in Acts 6, verse 3. They appointed these seven men over the business of the ministry. Their job was to wait tables. Their job was to help in the distribution of food, especially to the widows, because if you remember correctly, that's where the problem was in the distribution to the widows. That's what they were charged to do. By doing this, it freed up the apostles to do what they were called by God to do, be in prayer and study the Word of God so that the ministry could go forward. So they chose brethren from among themselves. They didn't choose. It wasn't something that the apostles did. They chose brethren from among you and said, go choose these guys. The names of those that were chosen can be found in Acts 6, verse 5. You've read them before. But when you look at these names, one name stands out. One name stands out loud and clear because there's something special behind it. Stephen. The verse clearly states that Stephen was full of faith and the Holy Spirit. But in verse 8, as we begin our study today, the attributes of Stephen now are even added to. In other words, there's more things that are said about Stephen. Look what it says in verse 8 of Acts 6. Then Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. So here we see the attributes of Stephen, if you will. He was a man of good reputation. He was full of faith. He was full of the Holy Spirit, full of power, full of wisdom. When you read scriptures and it says to be full of the Spirit, it simply means to be controlled by. It means to be controlled by. Stephen was a man who was controlled by the Holy Spirit. He was controlled by his faith, by his wisdom, by his power. He was a man walking in tune with the Holy Spirit. Stephen was a God-controlled man. He had yielded his life to the Holy Spirit. He was a man who wanted to serve God any way he could. He also had a burden for the lost, a burden for those who were dying in front of him and going to hell. He had this tremendous burden upon his heart. Stephen wanted everyone to know Jesus Christ, to come into the knowledge of who he was. This was Stephen's goal. What controls you today? What controls your life? Everybody is controlled by something. 
We all are controlled by something. Some people are controlled by their work and their career. Some people are controlled by their quest for money. Some people are controlled by the search for love and happiness. It's very important to them. Every, something controls all of us. Tony Monero, in our story, was controlled by music and his ability to dance. His life was controlled by self and what the self-pleasures could bring. As a Christian, our lives must be yielded to the Holy Spirit. You know, I know some people who try to live out the Christian life without the Holy Spirit, and they always wonder why they fail miserably. Dave, why can't I live the Christian life? It's because they failed to yield their lives to the Holy Spirit, and they're having trouble because they're trying to live the Christian life in the flesh, and it cannot be done. It cannot be done. And many of us have tried it, including me. Got the scars and the nose print to prove it. We've fallen on our faces too many times. D.L. Moody, he said this, quote, you might as well ha- try to ha- hear without ears, breathe without lungs, as try to live the Christian life without the Spirit of God in your heart. Pretty strong words from D.L. Moody. Breathing without lungs and hearing without ears. Now, I'm not sure how long Stephen had been a Christian before the brethren appointed him and the others to be deacons. We said that this was the first deacons that were appointed to the early church. But they saw something different in Stephen. There was something about Stephen that was noticeable. There was something that stood out that made him different from the rest of the brethren. This is why they chose him. There was, what was it? It was the evidence of the Holy Spirit in Stephen's life. He exuded this confidence of God. He exuded this Holy Spirit because the Spirit was in control of his life and he was walking in tune with the Spirit. Now, Stephen lived a very, very short Christian life, but the entire life that he lived as a Christian was totally dependent upon the Holy Spirit for everything he needed. In verse 8, we see where Stephen was being led by the Holy Spirit and doing great signs and wonders. Wow. Up until now, it had only been the apostles that were doing signs and wonders. Only the apostles had this power. And now you see God starting to give it out to the rest of the church, starting to allow the rest of the church into his plan for salvation for the world, trying to get the rest of the church to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that he might work through them. Very interesting that here we have, in my opinion, the fulfillment of what Paul was talking about to the Ephesian church when he wrote this in, verse, in chapter 4, 11 and 12. And he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body in Christ. This is what a church does. This is what a church does. A church equips the saints. And the saints go out and they spread the word of God and they create more saints. And more saints come in and then we equip them and they go out. People are raised up in the church to be deacons, to be elders, to be pastors, to be missionaries. People are raised up from within the church, but that's what the Lord does. It's a perpetual cycle that the Lord does for the edifying of the body so that we can all grow. See, as the ministry grew, the apostles trained up men and women, we're going to find out, to do the work of the ministry. How did they do that? They taught the Word of God. They had free time now because they weren't worried about the distribution of food. They could pray and study the Word of God. So they were teaching the Word of God, and people were building up because we know that that's what the Word of God does. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. We're built up in God's Word. God's looking for someone to show himself strong on behalf. God wants his will to be accomplished. These men and women are being trained up. They're being filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. They're becoming witnesses for Jesus Christ because isn't that why he sent the Holy Spirit? 
Wait in Jerusalem, he said in Acts 1, verse 8, until the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost portions of the world. Well, Jerusalem was getting saturated with the Word of God, and God was now getting ready to spread the gospel into the other parts. He was getting ready to push the apostles and the brethren out to start being witnesses in other places. Stephen's the first one, and after Stephen, we see the persecution happen, and the gospel is spread by the persecution. Every church should equip the saints. This is what Stephen is doing now in these verses. Stephen is being a witness for Jesus Christ. His ministry is not limited to waiting on tables. He's doing signs and wonders among everybody. He's winning lost souls to Christ. He's doing miracles. The Lord is working mightily through Stephen. What an example we have of someone submitted to the Holy Spirit. What an example we have of somebody walking in tune with God, knowing what to say, what to do, and God working mightily through him. Oh, would that we would be like that. Would that we be like Stephen, where we could walk out and have that faith, have that confidence that the Holy Spirit gives us to be able to walk. Walk circumspectly, it says in Scripture, that we would walk and tell people about Christ and not be ashamed of who we are. To be able to see someone brand new and tell them that Jesus loves them, and this is why Jesus loves them. What a wonderful testimony that would be. And as time grows short, as time goes short in the age of grace, we need to do that. We need to do that now. It's past time. Because this age will not be around forever. The age of grace will close. And we will be taken out. And the great tribulation will start. We need to tell people about Jesus now. People need to know who Jesus is and why he came and what he can do for them. That he saved them. People need to know that. And we need to have the Holy Spirit to carry that message. You can't carry it in the flesh. That message doesn't come across in the flesh because people look at you and go, what do you mean you? Look at you. Look at your life. You have to have the Holy Spirit. You know, you might think you're nothing in the body of Christ. I can't do that. You might be having the old ER complex. No, no, no. Can't do it. No, can't do it. Lord is saying, yes, you can. Lord is saying, I want you to do this, and I can empower you by the Holy Spirit. I want you to be a witness for me. You know, God is looking and looking for hearts that are totally towards him. Someone who he can show himself strong on behalf of. Please, brethren, brothers and sisters, friends of mine, do not limit what God can do in your life. Do not limit what God wants to do in your life by denying the Holy Spirit, by grieving the Holy Spirit, or quenching the Holy Spirit. Do not do that. God has a mighty plan for you. He has a mighty plan for his church that he wants to execute, and he's chosen for some reason to use us. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts in Zechariah 4, 6. It's God's spirit that wants to work. It's God's spirit that wants to do this. Pastor Lloyd Pulley wrote a book. It's called Under His Influence, Yielding to the Work of the Holy Spirit. And he says in this book that if we miss the point when we fail to recognize that the only power we have to live the Christian life and found in the Holy Spirit, we're in trouble. He said it's not so much that we receive power from him, as if that we receive his very life in us. See, I don't want power. I want Christ. I don't need power. I need Christ. And the Holy Spirit is Christ in me, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit is when God says, here, boom, and he puts Christ right in here. That's what I want. I'm not looking for power so that I can get pats on the back. I'm looking for Christ so that people will see Christ. I don't want them to see Dave. I and my flesh have absolutely nothing to offer anybody. Nothing whatsoever. But in the Holy Spirit, I have Christ. The savor of souls. 
the forgiver of sins. Christ, the restorator. The one who says, come to me if you're heavy, if you're laden. Come to me and I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to restore you. I have that. That's the power I want. I don't need to be exalted. I want Christ to be exalted. Who better than John the Baptist? I must decrease. Jesus must increase. That's my nature now. That's what I want. You know, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 said, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. In other words, I want God's power. I want that power working through me. I want that to be the power people see. Because the Scripture says, let your light so shine that men would see your good works. Yay! But they would glorify God. That's what I want. That's what I want. I want Him to receive the glory. Stephen becomes such a powerful witness of Jesus Christ. And as he's doing this, people are disputing with him. And as they're disputing with him, they can't resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke, it says. Look at verses 9 and 10. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Stephen here is walking truly in the Holy Spirit. He is so in tune with the Holy Spirit that the wisdom that he speaks, of, that the wisdom that he speaks and the wisdom of God is irresistible. People look at it and they know it's the wisdom of God. Incredible. They believe now since Paul was from Tarsus and Tarsa is from Cilicia, you can find that in Acts 21 verse 39, that Paul may have been a part of these people that were disputing with Stephen. He may have been a part of those people, and he may be one of those ones that found Stephen's words to be irresistible, because we know in a few chapters that Paul is going to be holding on to the coats of those that are going to stone Stephen and kill Stephen, and we know from Scripture that that played a huge part on Paul, and maybe all these things lined up, and when when Paul met Jesus on the way to Damascus, bang, everything came together. I'm speculating. Scripture doesn't clear that, but it's possible nobody could match Stephen's power. He was overflowing with these torrents of living water. Torrents of living water were flowing freely from his body. It was hitting everybody that was near him. The Holy Spirit was doing a marvelous work. Torrents of living water. Could this just be what Jesus was talking about in Luke 21 and verse 15? Now, Jesus is talking about end times here, so, but let me read this to you. In Luke 21, verse 15, Jesus is speaking, and he says to the, to the disciples, Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. Isn't that what's happening here? Stephen has opened his mouth. He's full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, and the Scripture says they can't resist what he's saying. They can't resist. Stephen is completely led by the Holy Spirit. We saw this back in chapter 2 when Peter appeared before the Sanhedrin. We saw the same thing. Scripture says, and he was filled with boldness from the Holy Spirit, and he spoke these beautiful, eloquent words. And they thought, who is this guy? Who is this untrained fisherman? How did he speak like that? You know, for the first time, someone other than an apostle is now exhibiting these attributes of, of the Holy Spirit. You are You've been listening to Pastor Dave on A Sure Hope. Pastor Dave is working his way through the book of Acts. Did you know that the first martyr for Jesus was a great man of faith? His name was Stephen, and he was bold and courageous to proclaim the name of Jesus to others. He wasn't afraid to tell the truth, even when it cost him his life. What courage in the midst of opposition! 
Do you think you could do the same in this day and age? It's hard to stand up for Jesus when everyone around you is telling you you're intolerant, unloving, and just looking to put people down if you tell them they're doing something wrong. But what makes things right or wrong is firmly rooted in Scripture. It's God's Word that should direct morality, and Stephen was unafraid to go there. If you like this message and would like to catch up on any message you may have missed, head over to AsureHopeRadio.com. There you'll find many messages from the Book of Acts, as well as other series. If you find yourself in the Cape May, New Jersey area, stop in and see us. All the information you need is on our website, location, directions, and service times. And if you prefer to call, you can do that too. Our number is 609-884-5821. Once more, that's 609-884-5821. We'd be happy to answer any questions over the phone. Well, that's all we have time for today, but we've loved spending this time with you. We look forward to the next edition of A Sure Hope. Show. Sure.